Hello and welcome back to another edition of Acacia Covered Podcast. This is Brent Maycock along with colleagues Mac Moore, Scott Pask, and Ricky Peterson. And we're here once again to talk a little bit about uh, what's going on in the high school scene across the state. Uh, Believe it or not, we're about a month away from wrapping up winter sports and activity season. And man, this season is uh, it's flown by, it seems. I guess we say that probably would say that every year that it just seems to fly by, but it just seemed like we were ramping up with uh, basketball and wrestling and bowling and swimming. And now here we are uh, getting ready to start the postseason competition. And um, first up, uh, we got Scholars Bowl State coming up this weekend. We had regionals last week. And looking at uh, looking at State Scholars Bowl, six of last year's seven state champions will be back to go after another state title this year. The only one missing will be Tipton in Class 1A Division II. Um, but you go look at it, and uh, Wichita Collegiate, the perennial powerhouse in Scholars Bowl, they're going after a fifth straight state title in Class 3A. Uh, you also have defending champions back in 6A. And and 5A, 4A, 2A, 1A with Division One. Uh, you have Sacred Heart in 2A, Hodgman County in 1A, Blue Valley North in 6A, Andover Central in 5A, and Rock Creek in 4A. And you know it's always a fun competition. There's some great teams out there. Scott saw quite a few of them earlier this year at Circle, and uh, you know that was probably maybe your first ever Scholars Bowl. Uh, Exposure, Scott. What did you think when you went out to circle for that? <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a great tournament. Uh, you had a lot of a lot of schools from a lot of different classes, and that, usually when you have these big invitationals, you get a lot of schools like that together. Um, you know, for for the old timers that can remember the Grand State uh, basketball tournament in the mid seventies, it's it's kind of the that type of feel when you get different teams from different classes uh, that come in, and and Collegia won that tournament, and. Uh, you know, just an outstanding program. They always have been. Uh, you know, I uh, I actually was a Scholars Bowler way, way, way back in the in the Stone Ages too. And Collegiate was good then, so it's really no surprise that they're, uh, you know, just a, a tradition rich program there. And and uh, um, you know, I, I I did actually go to the 4A tournament, the state tournament last year, where where Rock Creek won uh, that title, and and uh, they were an outstanding team then. Not surprised they're back. I mean, it's it's just uh, um, you know there's some other tournaments down here in the Wichita area. Bishop Carroll has a big 40 team uh, uh, tournament during the course of the season that, that these schools see each other a lot and and uh, uh, you know some of them would tell you that maybe winning those those big tournaments might be tougher than winning a state tournament. But it certainly either way it, it readies them for what they're what they're going to face here on Saturday for sure. Yeah, we have, uh, you know, each competition for state will be held at a different site. Class 6A will be held at Washburn Rural. And the Junior Blues were one of two regional champions uh, in 6A along with Wichita East. Class 5A will be at DeSoto, which was a state runner-up last year. But they did not win their regional this year. It was Lansing, who DeSoto beat at the United Kansas Conference Championships earlier. Uh, Lansing and Salina Central were the regional champions in 5A. Class 4A will be held down at Circle, where Scott saw the, the big meet earlier this year. Your regional champions in 4A were Hugleton and Paola. 3A will be held in Russell, and buying to uh, knock off Wichita Collegiate will be Mar Hill, Ellsworth, and Caney Valley as other regional champions. Class 2A will be held at Joaquini Trigo High School with Jefferson North, Remington, Sacred Heart, and TMP Marion, your regional champions. 
Class 1A Division 1 will be held at Fairfield and Hodgman County, Osborne, Rock Hills, and Wichita Central Christian were your regional champions. And then 1A Division 2, where they'll crown a new champion. That'll be held at Hutchinson Central Christian High School. And Argonia, Beloit St. John's, Otis Bison, and Rolla are your regional champions. So good luck to the competitors at the State Scholars Bowl uh, this weekend. Uh, it should be great competition across the state. And a lot of people, a lot smarter than I am, uh, out there showing what they've got. So uh, <laughs> good luck to all those competitors. Oh, those competitors, and uh, best of luck to everyone. And turning attention to the next state championship that will be held uh, this week, this this year, uh, will come up next weekend where boys' state swimming will be held uh, at over at the Shawnee Mission Swim District uh, Complex over in, in the Shawnee Mission area. And uh, boys' state swimming, you know, when you look at it, Class 6A, predominantly dominated by schools in the Kansas City metro area. Class 5 through 1A, predominantly dominated by schools down in the Wichita metro area. And let's look at uh, Class 6A first. And, Mac, uh, a lot of lot of quality swimmers up in your area, in the Kansas City metro area. And what have you seen out of the, the group of, of top contenders up there this year? Well, I mean, every year, I think, you know, you could pencil it in at this point. Shawnee Mission East is going to be uh, in the mix uh, as, as one of the top teams. Uh, if you compare it to, to last year where, uh, you know, their their depth was able to, you know, really overcome, you know, everybody and uh, late the East was as close as they could be with a, a lot of really top performances, but uh, still ended up being, I believe it was a 20 or 30 point gap at the end of that one. That won't be what we see this year. There's probably uh, four different teams that will be in the mix uh, trying to get a, a, a trophy, but also uh, trying to get that state title specifically. Like it, it, it would still be Shawnee Mission East is kind of the front runner, but it's nowhere near as uh, strong as it was last year when you have teams like first it was Blue Valley Northwest that looked like they could be uh, similar to Olathe East and and but you know this year be able to also have just enough depth to, to keep up uh, but as we got later in the season uh, is Blue Valley North that uh, really was is just shown that they have enough swimmers to to be in contention and they ended up actually winning the Shawnee mission invite a few weeks ago. Uh, and you know, that involves Shawnee mission East. Then you have the Eastern Kansas league meet. Uh, they ended up, uh, holding off blue Valley Northwest in that one as well. And it's a, you know, not a team that is just, uh, a, a bunch of the, you know, potential state champions, they just have a, a, a lot of depth and a couple good relays, uh, specifically the, the the 400 relay. But, I mean, when you go and look at the top times for even the, the 200 medley relay, uh, and, like, it's all Blue Valley Northwest. Uh, you'll, you'll have a late east up in there, Blue Valley North, uh, and and an, another one is Blue Valley West that's kind of gotten their, their selves in the mix there. But I think one of the, the, the big things is not just that there's not that front runner as a team. I think this year it looks a lot different because I, I think there was a lot of 
events where you kind of pencil in and say, oh, yeah, this kid's really dominating that this year. And really the only place you see that is uh, Shawnee Mission South's Grady O'Connor dominating uh, the, the 100 free and the 200 free. Uh, and, you know, I, I, looking at 200 free right now, I mean, he has a five-second gap on the second-best time in 6A, uh, Shawnee Mission North's Junior Lopez. Uh, he's pretty much it. Everybody else, I mean, maybe uh, Brock Wallace for Wichita Northwest in, in the 200 individual medley. Scott can tell you about that in a little bit. But uh, they, there's just not as many where last year it really was uh, uh, maybe a few races where the top one or two were in contention and the, the other guys right below that. But uh, a lot of these events are kind of uh, open, which makes it where, okay, how do you get those uh, – points to to really you know set yourself apart uh, at the top of that team leaderboard for Shawnee Mission East it looks like it might be diving where they can kind of pull away uh I, you look at the 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 top uh scores and you know you have uh Elliot Alvers who has been really close top uh two or three spots in diving but uh, still wants that state title Charlie Matthews who won the state title a couple of years ago uh and but Shawnee Mission East has uh Peter Steck Schulte uh, in there in the top five and then, uh, Kyle Becker and, uh, Braden Roberts. So, uh, if they can get those three into the top eight, where a lot of these other top teams, uh, I mean, Lawrence free state's the only other one that has three people in that top 10 area. Uh, but blue Valley North doesn't have that blue Valley Northwest doesn't have that. That might end up being key uh, at state for Shawnee Mission East to kind of pull away and be able to make up for the fact that they don't have either the depth or the just top swimmers that, you know, are going to be able to get you those one, two, three place finishes to, to, to really start racking up points. Won't be able to, uh, you know, get one or two in enough of the relays to pull away. It might actually be diving where they can really get those points and, and make it very tough for these up and coming teams to, to, actually be able to get in there and try to take away that 6A title from Shawnee Mission East. Yeah, I think coming into the season, we thought 6A was going to be a pretty interesting year just because so many state champions graduated from last year almost across the board. Every spot uh, we were looking at, hey, there's probably going to be a, there's going to be a new state champion this year because it was so de- senior dominated last year and not just in the championship spots, your second, your third place, you know, your runner, all those a lot of your top placers were all seniors last year. So that 6A meet could be very entertaining this year uh, just in terms of who's going to come out and do what. You know, you look at, like you said, you look at the, that uh, state honor roll and Grady O'Connor obviously stands out uh, in his events, the, the 100 and 200 freestyle. And then almost every other event, it's somebody different on the top. You look at the 500 free, it's Jack McClell and a Shawnee Mission East. Uh, you know, some of the relays, you got Blue Valley North, you've got a Lathe East uh, top relays. You've got uh, Noah Brandstrom, uh, the 100-yard backstroke. Uh, you know, he's probably long, if you remember his dad, Joel Brandstrom, who was a basketball player for KU and was a pretty tall dude himself. So uh, he, he's the girls' basketball coach at Olathe Northwest. So his son, you know, leads a pretty tight field there in the 100 backstroke. You got Darrensburg from Blue Valley Northwest in the in the 100 breaststroke, who's kind of come out of out, – really out of nowhere. Uh, mentioned Brock Wallace of Wichita Northwest uh, having a great year, and he's, he's the state leader. 
um, in in the 200 IM and then the 50 freestyle, which is always maybe the most fun race to watch at state because it's just an all out sprint, you know, pedal to the metal sprint. And you got two guys with equal times as fastest in six a this year with Dylan Miller of mill Valley and Kobe Otero of the late East. So yeah, the six a one, it's going to be a fun one this year. It's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of new faces winning state titles and it looks to be pretty wide open um, you know, that team race, obviously, Shawnee Mission East, Blue Valley North, Blue Valley Northwest, their depth is just superior to everybody else in the state, really. And so uh, it should be a fun uh, fun meet overall. And then, you know, you look at 5A, where 6A had a whole lot of new champions. 5A had a whole lot of faces coming back, and uh, they haven't disappointed this year, especially down in the Wichita metro area with, with uh, you know, Scott's guys there. Uh, from Collegiate, Mays South, Andover Central. I mean, those three schools have really uh, have really kind of set the pace in Class 5 through 1A this year. Yeah, outstanding individuals down here from those schools that you just mentioned. And then, you know, if you're looking in the team, on the team side, uh, you know, this might be a year for the Andover Trojans. Andover was fourth last year in the in the 5 through 1A meet and, and uh, uh, you know, kind of just, lurking in the shadows, so to speak. And, and this year, they have just dominated uh, invitational meets this year. I mean, winning by huge margins. And I think that speaks to to uh, some superior depth that they've been able to establish. Uh, they, they've got swimmers like Eli Conrad, uh, Jonathan Gott, David Gott, uh, Sam Ellis, all back on, on their roster this year. And, and uh, you know, while they may not have that, that hammer of an individual uh, that maybe the, uh, like May South has with Reagan Richardson or, or Collegiate has with Adam Sandeed. Um, they've kind of established that depth that Andover Central has used the last couple years to, to win back to back five through one A titles and, and Central, uh, you know, they're, they're certainly not going to give up that title easily. I don't think they've got uh, uh, some really strong individuals. Uh, Noah Kruger's the top swimmer in the hundred breaststroke uh, in five through one A this year. Uh, Brian Wynn is back. So, uh, they were they were a good team coming in. Maybe not. They had some graduations that they probably felt a little bit this year. Uh, but but uh, uh, you know, where, whereas Central has been the nemesis for for Cape and Mount Carmel, the runner up each of the last two years. This year, the nemesis for Cape and might be Andover. I'm thinking in the in the team competition. And, and Cape, and to its credit, uh, just won its second straight uh, Greater Wichita Athletic League title last week. Uh, you know, they finally ended last year. They ended Wichita East's 13-year run as, as league champions. And, and uh, you know, I think uh, talking to, to Cape and coach Alex Lebeda the other day, you know, he said they carried an underdog mentality last year. And th- this year they had more of expe- ex- expectations on their back, and, and they just delivered. They, they dominated uh, this year in the City League duels and, and then in the, at the City League meet last week, and they won by over 200 points. Uh, you know, they've got an outstanding junior and then Frank Alberti, who's won the 100 yard backstroke each of the last two years. Uh, Brandon Kimmons, a really good senior leader for the Crusaders. So, uh, you know, they figure to be in that mix again. I don't know if they're going to have enough firepower to, to, to deal with the depth that, that maybe Andover has this year. But uh, uh, regardless, I think there's just I think five through one, like you said, Brent, uh, had a lot of great ind- individual performances last year. Uh, Sandy to Collegiate and Richardson at May South had had an outstanding 100-yard freestyle uh, race that Richardson was able to win. Um, they're both outstanding, and you know whatever event they they jump in the pool in, they're they're outstanding. I mean Richardson leads; he's the rating 50 50-yard freestyle champ. He's also number one this year in the 500-yard freestyle on the on the state honor roll. So just uh, I think with him, 
uh, with Alberti, you've got guys who, you know, whatever discipline they, they jump in the pool and swim, um, you know, they're, they're outstanding at, and, and I think it's just going to make for an, another, uh, 1A meet uh, next week. And, and, uh, you know, Sandine's coming off the swimmer of the meet, uh, honor last year at the, at five through 1A. He's got that, he's got that, that capability to, to go out and, and chase some ch- chase some meat records, and I'd fully expect him to be in the hunt for some of those as well. Yeah, and his uh, teammate Derek Gangs had a really nice uh, breakthrough season as well. Yeah. He, you know, he's uh, stepped up, and I think he leads the state in the in the hundred butterfly in in class five through one A. And right. you know, Collegiate may not have the depth to to uh, challenge with Andover, Andover Central, and Capen, but boy, the the hammers they have at the top, like you said, are are some pretty big uh, sledgehammers in terms of Sandeed and, and yeah. Derek Yang. That's for sure. Um, yeah, it should be yeah, a big bit. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to so I'll just jump in. Yeah, that and it makes for outstanding relay teams. Just having two hammers like that on on relays is where they can make it difficult for other teams. Uh, you know, that's what I was going to say. I'd, collegiate can really do some damage on the relays team uh, as well, and that's that's going to make it tough for you know if collegiate doesn't have enough otherwise to win the whole thing, they're going to make it tough for somebody else to do uh, to to win that title just because of what they can throw at you. Uh, you know, with, with Sandeed and, and Yang and the. Sorry to interrupt you there, Brett. Oh, you're good. You know, I think the interesting thing will be just the chess match that gets played this coming week on, okay, where do we want to slot our guys? Like you said, you know, Reagan Richardson, defending champ in the 50 free, but state leader in the 500 free. That's a pretty broad range of what, uh, where he can challenge and where where do you want to go? Do you want, you know, if you're Mays South, do you, do you maybe not put Reagan back in the 50 and have him go after the 500? Or do you have him go he- try to go head-to-head with Sandeed? Or does Sandeed say, hey, I'm going to try this event or that event? So it, it becomes a real chess match, I think, on the part of the coaches this week uh, for strategizing how best can we maximize our points if we're going to go after this thing and how do we – put our guys in the best position to score the most points. Cause you know, with these guys like Sandeed and Richardson and Alberti and Gwynn and, and, you know, guys like that, there's any number of events you can put them in and they're going to go out and challenge for a state title. So it's going to be interesting to see how the coaches kind of maneuver this, uh, this, this uh, lineup for the state meet. And, you know, I, the one, the one almost sure thing I would say, and you, don't, you never want to say a sure thing when it comes to any state event, would probably be uh, Emporius Braxton Higgins in the diving competition. He's a two-time state champion, and you know, just far and away leads the state uh, with his top score this year. If you look at his eleven dive score this year, he's got a season best of five thirty-one point eight zero, and nobody else in the state's above four ninety. So. Uh, you know, all Braxton kind of has to do is go out and be Braxton and, uh, he should bring home a third straight state title, which is be a remarkable feat. He didn't dive his freshman year because he was focused on doing a trampoline, uh, at an international level, uh, international competition type style. So, uh, Braxton Higgins has had a great career and Pori has always had a strong tradition of divers. And uh, he's certainly cemented his his place as one of the best, uh, not only at Emporia, but one of the best the state's ever seen. Uh, in, and it'll be interesting to see if maybe he can go after some of the one of the state records uh, this weekend or this ne- next weekend when uh, he goes after his third straight title. Um, some other guys, uh, Luke Perkins of Shawnee Heights. You know, he's been runner. He was runner up in the hundred butterfly last year to uh, 
to Ian Blake of Bishop Seabury, who's graduated, and you know he he spent most of the year uh, right up there leading the uh, leading the hunter butterfly, but he's been overtaken by a couple of the collegiate kids and Derek Yang and and Adam Sandeed. and so I know uh, depending on what those guys do, that should be a great race with uh, with Luke Perkins trying to go after his first state title there. So uh, some great swimming that'll be held uh, next. Thursday, Friday, Saturday over at the Shawnee Mission Aquatic Center. Um, diving will start on Thursday, and then they have uh, prelims on Friday. You'll have a morning session and then an afternoon session with uh, you know 5A and 6A in separate sessions, and then come back with the finals for everything swimming and diving on Saturday. And that's a nice facility over there. They they uh, they used it last year for the girls, and this year they flip flop, and the boys are going over there. So if you get a chance, and you're a swimming enthusiast, the Shawnee Mission Aquatic Center, the Smack as they call it, is the place to be uh, next weekend for sure. So you know, diving and uh, swimming, we'll be wrapping up here next week. And this weekend we have girls regional wrestling. They do girls regionals a week before they do boys regional wrestling. And the, the girls get to kind of set their state brackets starting this weekend. And, you know, girls wrestling is just taken off in such a huge way in this state. I, you know, I remember when it first started, uh, you know, on kind of the grassroots level and, you know, you had a few girls here and there and it was a very, select number and heck I can even go back to when Brooke Bogren and some others like that were wrestling boys and making it to state uh in boys wrestling so uh but boy the the sport has exploded and you know I think last year at state we really saw how good the competition was getting and this year boy it's even raised a a notch or two you you look at across the state and there are just some outstanding girls wrestlers in the state this year and you know, you, you'll go look at the rankings across the state and, and uh, you know, Dodge City is is the girls powerhouse in 6A right now. And Ricky, it looks like they're in, certainly in position to uh, to bring home another state title. Yeah, definitely. And a big thing for them, you know, they've had such a good success as a team. I know that they're a big goal for them is getting their first individual state champion. And, you know, they haven't had one yet. And if you look at the rankings right now, they have three ranked in uh, number one, Jessica Rivera at 105, Ariana De La Rosa at 125, and Ashley Arroyo Arroyo at 145. Um, You know, they're all, they all have a really good chance, I think, to win. And then they have, they just have really good depth all over the place. So, um, you know, I know, I know, uh, you know they're they're really excited about what they what they can do at regionals and state, and they'll definitely be a team worth uh, keeping an eye on. Um, you know, I also that's one of the most intriguing weight classes to, for me uh, in six A five A is one ten. Uh, you got the defending champion, I think, in Larissa Garcia from Wichita North, um, and then Sarah Zimmerman's been the runner up. Um, you know, last last two years, and then. You know they got another girl, Anna Collins from Hutch, is ranked number one. So I think that's that's kind of a really intriguing intriguing class. Um, you know, looking at four A, one A, two girls I'll really be keeping an eye on at the regional at Hoisington. Uh, Michaela Miller from Scott City. Uh, you know, last year was her first year wrestling, and all she did you know was go out and win a state championship at uh, at two thirty five. Just a really really dominant wrestler, and she's been really really good this year. And then uh, 
Josiah Ortiz, you know, last year there was a really cool story. Her and her sister both won state championships, and they wrestled back-to-back. So that was, you know, kind of an exciting 10, 15 minutes there, just, you know, all the emotions of, you know, Isabel uh, watching Josiah win and then having to turn around and and having to win herself. And and Isabel graduated, and she's wrestling in college now. But um, Josiah has a chance to join her as a a two-time state champion. So, uh, you know, I'm really excited to head out to the Hoisington Regional. I was just blown away at state last year with, with covering it with Brent. I thought we had some really, really exciting matches. And like Brent said, it's really fun to see girls wrestling really take off. Yeah, you know, Ricky, you talked about uh, that 110 weight class, that Anna Collins, you know, she started at Wellington and has had kind of a an up and down ride in her career. And Scott, uh, you know, she's somebody that was obviously a huge addition for Hutchinson this year and gives them uh, some real firepower for their program. Yeah, she, you know, like you said, a really interesting ride. And, and really last year on the day of the state meet, it was a real shocker. She she uh, she didn't make weight and was, was unable to compete, uh, unable to defend her title for Wellington last year. So uh, I imagine there's there's maybe something that's been kind of driving her this year. And, and, and uh, you know, that just a – Ricky, you, you hit it on the head that 110 weight class uh, with with her and, and Zimmerman and, and Larissa Garcia, who's the you know who defeated Zimmerman in the in the state championship last year. That that to me, I think when we talk about the depth of that's developing in girls wrestling, you just really see it when you look at one particular weight class, and and uh, that that should just be an outstanding uh, you know outstanding bracket here. Uh, you know what we what state tournament for sure and. Uh, but yeah, Collins is undefeated this year. She wrestled Zimmerman out at the, the Garden City tournament and and uh, uh, gave her her only loss there out out there in like I think a seven to three decision. So um, outstanding depth in that field. And and uh, you just you see you look through each class and and uh, you know I see at one forty Ashlyn Goodwin who just won her hundredth career match from Goddard the senior. Uh, you know she's probably operating with a little hunger this year. Last year after. Uh, she got knocked off in the regionals last year, and and that ended up putting her in the, in a kind of an awkward or a bad place in the bracket. She ran into Leavenworth's Hannah Jackson last year at state uh, in the semifinals, and and Hannah is just an uh, you know an outstanding wrestler there, and and knocked knocked Goodwin off. Goodwin's you know was trying to to go for another state title. Uh, this year, Ashland's back, and and kind of looks like she's back with a vengeance, and and uh, looking really good at at 140 pounds, and. Uh, you know, you mentioned Ortiz, Ricky, and at one fifteen, and uh, you know she's in a bracket, uh, uh, or could be in a bracket with Mulvane's Leanna Landreth, who, who last check I uh, was unbeaten, I, I believe, at one fifteen, and ranked number one in all classes. So, uh, yeah, there's there's just those individuals that that are out there lurking. Uh, I think are are, are going to make for some exciting uh, regional tournaments and state tournaments for sure. Yeah, and you look at it. If, I love uh, on the girls' wrestling rankings through KW, KWCA. They have uh, for the girls. They have a pound for pound rankings for all class. So the best of the best, uh, no matter what weight class you are. And you look at it, and the top three are from the KC metro area. And I cannot have an argument with any one of those three. If you've ever had a chance to see Olivia Steen wrestle, take the opportunity. She is uh, just the definition of stud i mean she is just a 
beast. I, I've seen her wrestle on multiple occasions, and I just felt bad for whoever her opponent was because I knew that they were just going to get manhandled. And then you look at Michaela Rivera of Olathe West. Uh, she's at 190, and she's a two-time state champion. Nicole Redmond from Olathe South, also a multiple-time state champion. And, and she's down at, at, a, at a lighter weight class. I believe she's, she's wrestling at 130. And then... Um, so Mac, you've got some, some gals up in your area that, uh, can hold their own with not just anybody in Kansas. I think they can hold their own with about anybody in the nation. Yeah. And you, you mentioned, uh, get the chance to, to watch Steen wrestle. Uh, also, uh, pay attention because it's going to end quickly. There's not a long matches. A lot of the time she's it, and it's not for lack of quality opponents. She's that good, and she gets the the job done uh, effectively, efficiently, and uh, you know, uh, Michaela Rivera is an interesting one because uh, I remember she was up at uh, she was wrestling at two thirty five uh, before. Now she's at, at one ninety, and I, I don't doubt she'll be able to to win again. Uh, Drew Johnson uh, right there with her trying to follow her at 190 and their matches, uh, you know, have been uh, pretty, uh, pretty amazing uh, at the state tournament. And this last year, you know, uh, Michaela had the lead in the, the, the finals. And uh, at some point Drew Johnson got on top, had her where maybe she can score points. Maybe she can get her over for a pin. And I just remember Michaela Rivera having a smile on her face. She wasn't in a great position at that moment, but she was just counting down the seconds and she's going to win her second state title. And, you know, it's it, it, interesting the, the, the different uh, type of match you'll see there. Cause it's, it's not necessarily that she's going to, to dominate, uh, you know, the next best wrestler at 190 or back then when she was at 235, but she's going to get the job done and she's done that over, you know, three years now to this point. So we'll see if she can complete the third year, uh, being able to, to, to pull that off at, at this different weight class. And then, yeah, N Nicole Redman is one where, uh, you, you watch her and she's just very zoned in. She's ready to go. And no matter what weight class it's at, uh, you know, she, she moves so quickly and the matches not like Steen where it's just, all right, you better watch cause it's just going to be over, but, uh, you're going to have to watch cause the match will change on a dime with Nicole Redmond. She uh, has that, that speed and strength and, uh, you know, very, very fun to watch. But, uh, you know, also, uh, looking at my area and the, the, the different results with, uh, you know, uh, talking about Michaela Rivera, she led Olathe West, uh, to uh, Sunflower uh, League title. And uh, just as a team, uh, they've been as dominant as uh, Rivera has been as a uh, just singles wrestler on the mat. Like, uh, they've won five tournaments uh, this year. And it's it's been, uh, you know, Queen of the North tournaments. So they went across the state line and beat some really good Missouri teams. Um, they, you know, they... Uh, at just I lost the spot here where I had uh, the list there, but uh, some these are these are tough tournaments. It's not just that you know they went to a, a bunch and 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 started racking up victories. Uh, they've already shown they can beat some top teams, and the the other team from my area is interesting. Uh, Baldwin ends up winning the the Frontier League, and that's a. Uh, a team that they went 13 and one in duels this year. 
And the only one they lost was to Olathe West. And it happened in the very final match. Uh, so a team that uh, to this point is just keeps piling up uh, the accomplishments that they've had in, in four a and uh, two teams that it's going to be tough for either one to, to move up the, the board late the West, to try to get in the mix to, to, to win some team uh, titles in a, uh, just that one through five list of six, five, a girls wrestling is strong. Uh, going to be tough for Baldwin to get back in there, but they've, they've already won a state title uh, in, in the early uh, years of this sport. So uh, ones to definitely look for to, to not just bring it with their top wrestlers, but be able to really have a strong performance as a team. Uh, once they get through regional, see how many they can get through and, and, and try to win at least a team trophy at state is possible for, for both of those. Yeah. And in the North central Kansas area, I've got some, some great, uh, some great wrestlers. we look at Oskaloosa has a pair of returning state champions and Holly Thatcher, who's ranked number one at one Oh five. Allison King who's ranked number one at one fifty five. Uh, Kendra Horla is a two-time state champion from Rossville at ranked number one at one twenty. She's kind of battled some injuries this year and hasn't, uh, hasn't been on the mat a whole lot, but boy, when she's on the mat, she's good. And her, her only loss is to Clay Center's Gabby Coppas, who's, all she is, she's undefeated in her career. One state title last year as a freshman, undefeated, ranked number one at 125. And those two got together at a, at a 125 earlier this year to to wrestle each other. And and Coppas got Herla in a one point match. And so, with some great champions there, Grace Johns from Minneapolis. She was runner up at state last year when she competed at Chapman. She moved to Minneapolis this year and and is ranked number one at 170. And then you go up to 6A and, you know, we talked a little bit about Steen, Redmond, and Rivera. And right behind them in the pound for bound is uh, Manhattan Sage Rosario. And, boy, you want to talk about somebody that can just lay it to people. Sage Rosario is that person. She moved here from Georgia last year late in the season. In fact, she, her first meet of the year was the league wrestling meet. She won it, won regionals, won state, undefeated. She's undefeated this year. I saw her up at Washburn Rural Girls Invitational a couple weeks ago, and she actually wrestled Allison King of Oskaloosa, the defending champion in, in four, four, four through one A, and she pinned her in the first period. I mean, she just went out and and just uh, just took it to her. So Sage Rosario of Manhattan is an outstanding wrestler, and and uh, Manhattan is another good wrestler in, in uh, Elena Slifer, a freshman who's ranked number two and one thirty five behind Shelby Davis Gardner. And then you know Washburn Rural has been kind of the the girls program in the state that's kind of carried the banner in terms of just helping move girls wrestling forward. I think it's the largest program, if not, if not just in the state, but maybe one of the girls largest wrestling programs in the country with, with how many girls they have. And they're just balanced across the board. And you look at them this year, they don't have anybody ranked number one, but they've got a lot ranked two, three, four, five, six. And so, uh, they've got some great wrestlers and one of their wrestlers this year, uh, became the all-time winningest and pinningest girls wrestler in Kansas history in Addison Brocksterman, who uh, uh, wrestles at 125. She's ranked number two behind Dodge City's Ariana De La Rosa. And I caught up with Addison after her historic day at the Washburn Rural Girls Invitational just to talk to her about becoming the all-time wins and all-time pins leader in Kansas girls history.
All right, I'm talking here with Addie Brockstroman of Washburn Rural, who became the all-time win and pin leader in girls' Kansas wrestling history. And Addison, what does that mean to you to, uh, to hit that accomplishment in, in your career? Uh, honestly, I think it means a lot more to everybody else. Like, I see it as something that I accomplished, but I didn't see it as that big of a deal until everybody made it such a big deal, you know what I mean? Uh, and I see myself as kind of a humble person, so I see it as really cool, but I still know that I have stuff that I want to accomplish ahead of that. Was that something that you ever thought would be a possibility when you started as a freshman three years ago? Uh, definitely not, um, especially because my first, like I literally started my season with a loss. Like I was definitely struggling my freshman year and I just kept getting better and better. But at the beginning, no, I didn't see really much of anything coming out of this except for like friendships, to be honest. Mm. What got you interested in wrestling and involved in wrestling in the first place? Uh, I got interested because I would say my brother wrestles and like my dad wrestled in high school and that was what interested me, but it was really like they had tried to get me to wrestle before and that's when like it wasn't girls wrestling wasn't sanctioned yet and I always was like no I'm not doing it and like the assistant coach Dan for the girls team tried to get me to do it too because I knew him before high school and I was just like I'm not doing it and then coach Parker walked up to me one day in PE class and asked me and I was like okay so he's very persuasive (laughs) I was gonna say you know was it something that once you got to high school and it had been sanctioned then it was like okay, maybe I'll give it a shot. You know, obviously having a family background in it kind of helps, but at, something, at some point something has to click in your mind to make you want to do it. What, what really changed that really made you decide, okay, this is something I want to try? Well, I was in PE, and I was actually in health first quarter, so I didn't take a PE class yet. And then second quarter of the school year, uh, I was in girls' freshman PE, and I was in my little, like, freshman uniform, and they were like do any of the girls PE like the PE girls want to go to the other gym and play football with the upperclassmen I was like okay like I'll do it so my little 14 year old self went over there and was like looking up at everybody like all the big like dudes Mm -hmm. and we played football and then coach Parker came up to me and was like pulled me out of the hallway and was like do you know why I pulled you out into the hallway and I was like because I'm really good at football and he was like no like you should join the wrestling team and I was like and then I went home to my parents and told them and then I said that I was thinking about it and then the next day I was walking to my um my speech class and a girl her name's Kelly she walked up to me and asked if I would wrestle and she ended up being one of the team captains that year and that's what really set me to decide like yeah okay let's do it How much of a natural were you at first? How long did it take before you really felt comfortable and and good out there on the mat? Uh, There's definitely, like, a flow. You need to, like, have experience like you do in everything you do in your life. Uh, I think when I realized that, like, I was getting the hang of it was the summer after – or the summer after sophomore year because my freshman year I was, like – I think somebody else said it in a podcast one time, I was like, snake or die. Mm-hmm. Like, I snaked you or I lost. <laughs> and that was kind of it. And I was successful with it. But then as girls were getting better and better, it was like, okay, I need to, like, up my game. 
So then after sophomore year, I went to summer scuffle and I was in my like mellow yellow singlet and I was doing like chicken wings and like tilts and stacks. And I was like, all right, like I got more tools in my toolbox and I realized that I could be even better and better. Yeah, I was going to say, how much have you progressed from when you first took the mat to where you're at right now as a wrestler? Um, I think I've progressed in many ways, like muscle. I thought I was so jacked when I was a freshman, and I look back on those pictures, I was like, oh my gosh, like my 110-pound self. And then with my moves and like progressing as like, getting better at my moves, getting faster, and just, like, my confidence has definitely gotten better and handling losses, like, I've been improving on that, too. So mentally and physically, it's been a very big step. You know, you said you were kind of snake or die as a freshman, but you still won, like, 30-plus matches freshman year, 30-some as a sophomore, 30-some last year as a junior. You know, you were able to have a lot of success early, too. So, you know, talk just a little bit about being able to experience success so quickly and how much that just kind of drove you as well. I don't think, like, in the moment my freshman year, I didn't really see it as success. Mm -hmm. It was like... If I won a match, it was crazy to me, and I was so excited. Like, every point that happened, I would be so shocked and, like, happy, and it was, like, a new feeling because I'd never wrestled before. But now, looking back on it, I was, like, I feel like I was too hard on myself, and I was actually, like, really good for a first-year freshman. Mm -hmm. But in the moment, as a freshman, I definitely struggled with, like, confidence and stuff like that. But I see it as success now, but... then in that point in my time I did not see it as success so yeah you know you obviously you said you still have goals out there one of them would be obviously to win a state championship that's something that Mm -hmm. you know you've always had somebody in your weight class that's been really tough uh Mm -hmm. you know the past few years how much is that the big goal of this year for you and how much is that driving you this year so getting second the past two years um has definitely been good and bad Mm -hmm. uh with like I got to the finals, that's great, but then I like can't finish it off, and that's like not something that I want to do this year. I definitely want to close this year, and it, winning a state championship is definitely a goal, but anything could happen, and if I like slip up and I get beat first round at state, then I'll find a way to battle back, and it won't determine like my whole life, and if I don't get first this year, then... I'll be a beast in college. So, Where are you going to go to college? I'm going to Shattern State in Nebraska, okay. yeah. Um, you know, how wrestling, obviously girls wrestling, has really taken off, and the quality of, of girls' competition mm-hmm. is so much better now as well. How much has that helped you improve as a wrestler, just having better competition week in, week out, and probably within your own weight room, you know, your own wrestling room, mm-hmm. having so much competition there? Yeah, I definitely say, like, the girls, I can remember wrestling some girls my freshman year that I've wrestled this year, too, and it's cool to, like, compare the two, like, our match that year to our match this year. So my freshman year, one of the girls, my first loss at state, I lost in 20 seconds. I was pinned in, like, 20 seconds. And then my sophomore and junior year, I wrestled that same girl and lost by points. And I was winning both times, but, like, just seeing like how I've progressed with tougher competition and then with girls that I've beat before and seeing like 
how our matches turn out now compared to my sophomore year. Like, it's definitely just, like, comparing the two and seeing if I progress or even weakened in some pot spots and I need to, like, up my game in some situations. So, yeah. How much better can you be? Like, right now? Uh-huh. <laughs> I definitely don't think I'm at my peak mm-hmm. and I'll keep improving and improving and set new goals and accomplish new things. So. Yeah. You know, you're going to be able to add – a lot of wins to this total and and Mm -hmm. talking with Damon he said you know this could be a a record that is really hard to challenge just because you know their girls wrestling is so much better in Kansas now and freshmen coming in will have a tougher time having success you know this is you could put your name way up there how cool is that for you and you know is that something maybe you'll wrap your head more around once your high school career is over with yeah that's what some people have said to me like in five or so years you'll see this as like holy crap like that's so cool but I think records are meant to be broken and if another girl got her name up there I would also think it was really cool so yeah all right well that was Addie Broxman of Washburn Rural again the all-time winningest and pinningest uh, girl in Kansas wrestling history Again, that was Addison Broxterman of Washburn Rural. Thanks for taking the time to visit with us. And, you know, the one piece that is missing from Addison's resume is a state championship. She's been runner-up a couple times, and the last each of the last two years ran into really good wrestlers. It was it was Nicole Redmond last year that or two years ago that she ran into and and then lost in the finals again last year. But uh, you know, I think she's on a mission this year. She's a she's a, a great wrestler and kind of you know, when talking to Damon Parker about her, he said, she's the one, you know, she's the, the, the girl that's really taken our program and taken it to another level. And that's saying something because Washburn Rural's had some great wrestlers in its brief history. When you look at Rebecca Smith and, and, uh, Anderson girl that was there a couple years ago, won a couple state titles. They've, they've had some really good wrestlers, but Addison Broxman is the one that Damon Parker said just kind of has changed the culture of, of Washburn girls wrestling and raised that bar. So, uh, regionals coming up across the state this weekend. Uh, there will be some great action, and then they'll kind of get a, a week off to really kind of rest up and, and train and get ready for state. And then boys wrestling will be the following weekend with their regionals. And uh, you got you know two regionals in 6A, 5A, and 4A, and then four regionals in, in 3, 2, 1A. And, uh, you know, there's going to be some – some great, uh, great regionals out there, and we got some previews. You know, we, last time we were on here, we talked about the Newton Tournament of Champions, and Scott went and saw that. And Scott had a great tournament in his area uh, last week that really kind of shook up some things. Uh, out the Rose Hill Invitational, you know, Rose Hill had a great year last year, finished third as a team at state, and uh, is having an- another outstanding year this year. And and uh, they won their home Invitational, I think, it was first time in like forty years that they had won that. And Scott. Rose Hill's ready to uh, to try to make some noise if the if the teams at the top like Andale, Augusta, Tonganoxie uh, slip up in, in Class Four A this year. Yeah, the Rockets have had a great season. I mean, they've they've obviously by climbing to number one in the Four A rankings, they're they're proving their their uh, moxie there. And and uh, to win that tournament, you know, we I mentioned the, just that Grand State feel. I think this tournament that that, that they hosted over the weekend kind of had a, a, a Grand State for six A, five A, and four weekend it was it was an outstanding tournament it was one of those where 
uh, you know, if you expected a bracket to go go a certain way, no, that's not how that's not how it happened. And, and uh, a big part of Rose Hill's uh, team victory, uh, you know, kind of uh, rests on the shoulders of sophomore Damon Ingram, who who uh, who won the 126 pound final by knocking off two time state champion Marcus Terry of Augusta, uh, scored a late takedown, beat him six to four, and. Uh, just an outstanding win for Ingram, a real got to be, I just imagine a huge confidence booster for him. And, uh, you know, not only did, did, uh, did he defeat Terry, he, he beat, uh, Valley Center's Jet Swartz, who was a 5A state champion last year, uh, beat him 15 to nothing in the technical fall. So, uh, just an impressive performance for Ingram, uh, that kind of spearheaded, uh, Rose Hill to, to that team title. They, they beat Augusta by three and a half points. So. Uh, but just a lot of good competition there. Andale was there, Augusta, uh, Valley Center, uh, some really good, really good programs around this area. You know, Augusta had its own mild surprise at the tournament. Uh, senior Grady Fox won the 138-pound title, uh, knocked off previously unbeaten Adam Mackey of Andover to get it done. Uh, uh, Fox was down going into the third period, but but uh, he got Mackey on his back late in the match and, and pinned him. Uh, you know, that was Mackey's first loss in 41 matches this season. So, uh, so there, another surprise in, a, in another individual bracket. So, uh, and at Fox, you know, he had to defeat Chanute's Trey Dillo, who's an outstanding wrestler, just to get to the finals. So, um, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing. These guys are really sharpening themselves here late in the season, heading into regional. And, and uh, uh, you know, there were other, other standout wrestlers there, Valley Center Junior, DeMont Munker, who transferred in. Uh, from Staley, Missouri, this year was an outstanding football player. He's had a great season uh, at 190, and he won he won the 190 pound bracket there at Rose Hill. You know, there was another good good matchup at Andover Junior Owen Eck, who was the most outstanding wrestler at the Newton Tournament of Champions. Uh, he's ranked number one in 4A. Uh, he won he won his weight class at Rose Hill. Defeated uh, Goddard sophomore Jacob Goodwin, who's number one in 5A. So you got that head to head matchup there, a battle of number ones going at it just kind of up and down the line, just outstanding individual brackets and, and uh, some guys who really put some big feathers in their cap, uh, uh, you know, with the state, with regional and state approaching for sure. Yeah, it sounded like it was a great tournament with some definitely some eye-opening wins across the board. And, you know, that, that could go two ways. It's going to serve as confidence for the guys who got the wins and some serious motivation for the guys that got beat. So should set up some uh, interesting closing uh closing periods for those guys. Uh, you know, there were a handful of league tournaments last week, uh, Centennial League, Washburn Rural. Uh, boys take second to Manhattan. Manhattan comes out and really has a great uh, a great uh, tournament in Centennial League. Uh, they did round-robin duels this year with uh, with the smaller league, and, and Hayden, I don't believe, made it over to the, to the tournament for some reason. So, um, you know, it, Manhattan, I think, ended up with eight weight champion weight class champions rural junction city each had some uh emporia's zurarch tongue cool ends up as the uh outstanding wrestler at the tournament which no shock there the guy is a defending state champion and and is a is a beast i think his only loss this year is to Derek johnson of hoxie when uh, those two hooked up uh, earlier this year so um and then the united kansas conference tournament was last week and it came down to the heavyweight championship uh siemens jackson thomas going against shawnee heights reich and carver and whoever won the match was going to uh 
was going to win the league title for their team. And Jackson Thomas comes out and, and really took it to Carver and, and got a pin in the championship to give Seaman boys the, uh, the title there. Shawnee Heights girls take the, uh, the girls UKC championship. Washburn Rural's girls took the girls uh, Centennial League championship. But uh, there was some good action over at the, uh, at the UKC tournament. Uh, some, some great matches. Sean Wonder from Shawnee Heights just to get his team in position to win. He was down 14-2. to two in his championship match in the third period and then catches Elijah Elijah Mathis of Lansing with a headlock, flips him to his back and pins him to get the improbable come-from-behind win because he was just getting manhandled in that match. And it all it takes in wrestling sometimes is you catch one guy in one bad position with one move and boom, it's done. And so uh, it was a great win for Sean. It was his third UKC title that he had won. And, uh, you know, on the girls' side, I want to go back – I didn't mention Hannah Jackson. We kind of talked to her a little bit about, uh, you know, her winning down at 143 last year. We're we're talking about maybe the most versatile wrestler in in girls' state, maybe in girls' state history. Uh, she was runner-up at state at 190 as a freshman, moved down to 170 as a sophomore, took runner-up there. Both her losses in those final matches. One was to Olivia Steen. Okay, no, no, no surprise there. One was to Alyssa Robert Robinson of Junction City when she was a freshman, and Alyssa was a, a nationally acclaimed uh, high school wrestler. And then last year she drops even more weight, goes down to 143 and wins. This year she just felt like she wasn't as healthy as she could be down at 143. She's moved all the way back up to 235, undefeated this year at 235. So you're talking about somebody that no matter what weight class she's at. Uh, success follows her, and, and uh, she's she uh, is just a, an outstanding wrestler and, and somebody poised to win another state title. But back to the boys, um, you know, Class Six A. It's it's. I think there's some wide open races for the team titles this year. You know, we talked about Four A with Rose Hill, Augusta, and uh, and Andale really being and Tonganoxie being teams in the hunt. Six A. You got Derby ranked number one. Garden City's ranked number two. Mill Valley has a lot of good. Good guys, and they moved up from Class 5A. So, you know, people in 6A may not be as familiar with them in in in, uh, in 6A. And then you go to Class 5A in boys' rankings this year. Mays and Newton have kind of taken turns uh, at that top spot all year going back and forth. They had a great duel a couple weeks ago that Scott was out at. And then uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, Mac, they've got, some, they've got some guys that are capable of making some noise at State as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh with uh, Aquinas just having uh, Dylan Elmore, uh, having Sean Carroll. Uh, we know how good he was during the football season. He's uh, just as good during the wrestling season uh, at 190. Uh, very fun uh, to see. Uh, very tough 190. Uh, you know, uh, Scott mentioned uh, Mucker for Valley Center earlier, and then, uh, you got Nathan Fury from from Cape, and that's a really tough one. But Sean Carroll right now sitting at the number one in the KWCA rankings. So uh, when you look at that team, they have some some really uh, you know good guys that are right now the favorites to try to win a state title. Uh, but they they got a lot of depth as well. Uh, you just uh, see how many guys they have listed on the uh, rankings right now. So. Without a doubt, that's a, a team that can kind of get them uh, into the mix there for for definitely a team trophy. But trying to fight their way to try to get a team state title, uh, I, I'd keep an eye out for them. And then, yeah, with six A, you mentioned Mill Valley, and they you know are 
really, really good uh, group that they have, uh, uh, similar to, to Aquinas. Uh, you, you got Dylan Cooper is uh, at 126. He's top of the, the rankings right now. And then uh, a, a couple other guys that are close, uh, but, uh, you know, not, not quite there. Brady Mason at 144 is, is third. Um, a handful of guys, uh, Robert Hickman, 120. He's in the, uh, the top five. Um, looking at those, that group, I don't know how much the, the lack of, uh, familiarity will, will give Mill Valley an advantage, but I do know that, uh, the jump up to six, a isn't going to hurt them too much just because they know that they have those guys. They have ones that can get them, uh, a lot of points and, you know, but stay alive late into a state tournament. So without a doubt, Mill Valley in six, a and, and Aquinas and five, a, ones that I would look for and, and expect to see them at the, the top of the team standings. Uh, they're going to be right there in the mix uh, when they get to state, if they can get enough guys through regionals. Yeah, I bet Mill Valley's probably glad to be out of 5A. That's always that's kind of <laughs> been the, the class has been locked up by Goddard. And, you know, we haven't really talked much about Goddard that they're, you know, it's kind of crazy that, you know, the team that's on the kind of title run that they're on, almost as a little bit of an afterthought in Class 5A. I mean, I'm sure they'll have something to say before it's all said and done this year, but uh, Mays and Newton have just kind of separated themselves a little bit from Goddard. And we knew the, we knew the run eventually would kind of come to an end, but what a run that that program has been on, Scott. Yeah, just an outstanding run. And I think what I'm seeing happening in, happening in 5A, you know, Mays is currently number one in 5A. When you look at Mays' roster – it has a lot of characteristics to what the Goddard rosters have had during this run. Uh, just the depth, you know, not, not necessarily from top to bottom, but once you hit a certain weight, it just seems like here they come one right after another, right after another. And, and Goddard maybe just doesn't quite have that, you know, last year they had, they had seniors, uh, uh, Fisher, the Fisher kid who was an outstanding uh, leader of that group. And, and, uh, uh, you know, they've still got they, – they'll still have some guys who will make a lot of noise at that 5A tournament, I'm pretty sure. But right now, uh, for, you know, after seeing that Mays-Newton duel that you mentioned uh, uh, last week, Mays kind of showed me that they had a lot of the characteristics those Lions teams have had here in the in the last few years. You know, it, it uh, you know, Newton kind of owned the duel against Mays early with Nick, Nick Treister at 120 and A.B. Stokes at 126. Newton is really, really strong at the lower weights, but – but it kind of flipped at 132 with Daniel Gomez, and and then just here they come. Here, you know, uh, May's starting at 132 with, with Gomez. Uh, they've got Nakalen Shabazz at 138, who's who won a state title a couple of years ago. Was injured in December last year and missed most of the season. He look he's back and looks very strong. And then you stack uh, the, the weights: Camden Paget, Clayton Bowers, Cody Hubanks, and then you get to Connor Paget, who won a state title last year. Uh, and is number one uh, this year at 175. Uh, you know, uh, Mac mentioned that depth at 190 and 5A. Uh, Mays Jr. Is, is number four in that weight class behind Carroll and then Fury and Mucker. And uh, you give me those four wrestlers right now and call it a semifinal, and I'd, I I would pay pay good money to watch. Those are four really outstanding wrestlers. And and then they kind of cap it off with, with Aiden Flores, a junior at 215. So Mays just has – they have that, that, that those run of weights uh, that that 
you could kind of put together good finishes and, and win a state title. And that's probably what it's going to take to end, you know, Goddard's eight-year run. I mean, I just think about that, eight straight state titles at 5A. That's that's an amazing uh, a feat. You know, they're still going to have plenty of guys uh, showing up at, at, at the 5A state tournament. But, but I think the teams that have kind of stepped in their place in the rankings – like I said, they just they show a lot of the characteristics these Goddard teams have showed the last eight years. Yep, for sure, it should be uh, should be great in five A and in class three A. Obviously, Ricky, we've talked uh, ad nauseum about Hoxie and their ability in in class three two one A. And you look at the the rankings; they have eleven kids ranked in class three two one A, which is just just absurd, <laughs> absurd to have that kind of depth across the board. But you know, aside from Hoxie, which we've talked about at length um, on on this podcast several times, you know, it looks like Norton. You know, obviously a team that's always had great tradition and and was kind of the powerhouse in class three two one a they're kind of getting back up to where they've got a chance to get back on the podium this year especially with their uh, their kids in the upper weights yeah i mean you might look at norton last year and think it was kind of a down year a down year for them still produced two individual state champions so i mean they're they're just a really really strong program uh you know um garrett urban um you know, he he was on pace for such a tremendous football senior football season, and he missed. He ended up missing the rest of the year after about three or four games uh, with an injury. You know, he's he's back and he's looking like you know he he could be a you know a champion again. Um, and then uh, you got two other Norton Blue Jays ranked number one: uh, Jefferson Otter at uh, two fifteen and Corbin Puga at uh, at heavyweight. Um, so you know it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun to see uh, you know Norton Norton come back. Uh, you know I, I will I will talk a little bit more about Hoxie. I know I know we've dwelled on Hoxie on this podcast all the time, but you know now they're now they're ranked number one in all class. And I, I read that as a team, and I read that that's the first time that's ever happened for a, a four through one A team to be the overall number ranks number uh one ranked team so uh you know just really impressive stuff they've got six guys ranked number one uh ian giancola at 113 carson oaks at 132 um dayton bell at 138 Derek johnson he's he'll be going for his uh you know fourth state championship at, at 157 Drew Bretz is a former state champion, and he's ranked number one at 165. And then uh, Sam Watkins, really talented sophomore, ranked at, at 175. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think you can, I don't think you can over exaggerate how impressive Hoxie's Hoxie's run has been. Um, you know, and it's just Western Kansas; they always, it seems like they always dominate the the four through through one A level, and this year's no different. Uh, I got a few other guys ranked number one. Uh, Mason Younger from Ellis is ranked number one at 126. Wyatt Gardner uh, at 144 from uh, uh, Wichita County. And then uh, Smith Center's Bentley Montgomery is ranked number one at, at 150. So uh, I'm, re- I'm really excited. I'll be really excited for state wrestling at, at, uh, for, at uh, uh, three through one, three through one, a uh, just, uh, just really a lot of, a lot of talent here at, at in Western Kansas. Yeah, there's nothing quite like being out at uh, Gross Coliseum and listening to the crowds from the other schools 
cheer as somebody maybe is pulling an upset against one of their rivals. If if, Hork, if Hoxie's getting beat in a match that maybe they wouldn't, that Norton crowd is going crazy. Or if Norton's losing a match, that Hoxie crowd is going crazy. And Smith Center used to kind of be in there in that mix and, and Hoisington as well. And and it doesn't take much to get uh, Gross Coliseum rocking. And when, the, when those schools hit the mat, you know darn well those other schools are keeping an eye on what's going on, and they're rooting as hard as they can for whoever's in that opposite singlet. So it's always fun watching that uh, that state tournament out in, out in Class Three Two One A, and it should be another great tournament this year. You know, Sabetha from my area is ranked number two in Class Three Two One A this year, and has had a nice little uh, nice little season this year. I'm going to go catch them at regionals uh, next weekend. And uh, kind of see some of some of their good guys that they have, and you know, Sabetha is a program that's had some good tradition, but this this is one of their highest rankings they've ever had. And there's been some teams from the East that have come over and really carried the uh, carried the torch for Eastern side of Kansas. Uh, Rossville had a number of state titles. Uh, state individual state champions were in the mix for team state championships as well. Silver Lakes had some good runs out there. Atchison County's had some good runs. So Sabetha looking to, you know, they're not going to not gonna knock off Hoxie for the state title, but if they can get up on the podium, get a number two, number three finish uh, in Class 3-2-1-A, it'll be a heck of a season for the Blue Jays, whose boys basketball team also happens to be undefeated and ranked number one in Class 3-A this year. So a good winter for the Sabetha boys for sure. And, you know, it, I, I wish the KWCA did the pound-for-pound uh, pound boys' rankings kind of like they do for the girls because I think it would be interesting to see who would be up there. And there's a lot of great guys, but I would think Derek Johnson of Hoxie might have to be at the top of the list. And if not him, maybe Nick Treister, maybe Owen Eck of Andale, maybe maybe Sean Carroll of, of Aquinas. I mean, there's some guys out there who could certainly lobby for that spot. It would be uh, certainly be fun to – to see a pound for pound uh, who who they uh, who they would sort out to be the best of the best in Kansas uh, boys wrestling. So um, again, regionals coming up for boys wrestling in two weeks. Uh, our next podcast will come between regional and state. It'll be a busy week for us for sure. Uh, trying to wrap up state swimming and state uh, and then preview in state wrestling and then oh oh yeah, basketball's still going on as well. And you know we've delved uh, pretty heavy into basketball in our in our previous podcasts and we're kind of in that part of the season where uh, the schedules kind of lighten up a little bit as teams uh, start to get geared up and rest up a little bit for the postseason and we finished our midseason tournaments uh, two weeks ago with the the girls tournament week and we had some good performances uh, most maybe the most impressive came from the Seaman girls down at the Emporia High tournament uh, the Glacier's Edge in the first round, they beat uh, Shawnee Mission West, who is led by Samaya Nichols, who is maybe arguably the best player in the state. Uh, it depends on who you're talking to, but a uh, future University of Kansas player. They beat her and, and West in the first round. In the second round, they beat McDonald's All-American Addie Brown and Derby in the semifinals to get the championship match. And in the championship game, they face host Emporia is having a great year, and they win on a last-second three-point shot by Taylor Stahlbomber to, to win that title. So the Seaman girls having a tremendous season. They've got one loss, and it came in double overtime to Baser um, earlier this season. But the Seaman girls ranked number one in Class 5A this year. Some other champions from midseason, I've got to go down and watch the 
Lyon County League tournament, which 102 years for the boys in that tournament, which is just amazing. And and I think I tweeted out that, no, I haven't covered all of them, but believe it or not, I've covered a quarter of them. And that's <laughs> that's a lot of tournaments right there. That means I'm kind of old, I guess. But uh, great championship games. Opie boys uh, win the boys title down there. And then the Lebo girls win the girls title down there. Lebo girls still undefeated. Opie boys got knocked off by Linden, which won the Flint Hills shootout title the week before. They got knocked off by Linden last week in a, in just a regular season game in a great showdown between those two schools. So Opie, uh, Opie uh, wins that uh, on the boys' side in Lyon County League. Scott, you saw some uh, a couple of tournaments down in your area, and you know. Uh, Andover Central girls, you know, they're a team that we've talked about. You, you talk about year in, year out as, as being a, a contender under Stana Jefferson, and they went out and showed that, hey, we may have graduated Brittany Harshaw and some other key players, but we still got what it takes to be a player in 5A. Yeah, that Saturday, the, the way the schedule fell, I was uh, I, went, I ran over to Haven uh, and caught the championship game of that girls' tournament, and Cheney defeated Garden Plain to win that, and so I – I hopped in the car, raced over to Newton, and they had moved, rearranged the schedule a little bit and moved that game up to an earlier start. So I walked in right at the end of the third quarter, and and uh, lo and behold, Andover Central and, and unbeaten Bishop Carroll were tied going forth of the Newton Invitational. Uh, Andover Central really showed some, uh, just so, showed some grit down the stretch there and, and handed Bishop Carroll its first loss of the season. Uh, Central has kind of had Carroll's number. Uh, last year they gave Carroll – a season opening loss and then knocked them out of the substate or out of the state tournament uh, a year ago. So Central's kind of had a hex on Carroll, who, which Carroll has otherwise had a, an outstanding season. They're 15 and one and, and really on track to, to win the, uh, the city league title. They've got a three game lead here with four to play. So uh, they're in good shape and they're, they're trying to hold off Andover uh, for the, the number one seed in five a West. And, and, you know, you, you, re, you alluded to central central is part of, uh, you know, I'm just going to kind of peek, peek ahead a little bit here. Uh, you know, back in October in football season, we had October 7th was was kind of what I called the, the night of reckoning for, for teams in, in uh, the Wichita area. You had Mays and Derby playing football that night, Bishop Carroll and, and uh, Capen playing downtown at the uh, at Riverfront Stadium where the minor league baseball team in Wichita plays. And you had Andale and Collegiate in the battle of number one versus number two in 3A. That night was one of those those red letter nights, and and uh, I'm looking ahead to Valentine's Day uh, next Tuesday as kind of a, a night of reckoning for some area basketball teams. That that Andover Central basketball team girls team will play at Andover. Uh, that'll probably ultimately decide the Arc Valley Division Two, uh, Arc Valley Chisholm Trail Division Two title. Uh, that's their second meeting. Double header that night features four ranked teams. The both boys teams are ranked in 5A. Uh, both girls' teams are ranked in 5A. So, uh, you know, that's kind of one. If you're looking for a doubleheader in the Wichita area on Tuesday, uh, that's one to hit. Uh, the, the day of reckoning or the night of reckoning can, will continue over uh, across town that night uh, uh, where, where Hutchinson, unbeaten Hutchinson, the boys there uh, travel to May South, and, and Hutchinson has given May South its only two losses of the season, and they'll play again uh, kind of – they. Hutchinson beat them in the in the league meeting, and then beat beat them out of the Dodge City Tournament of Champions, and and the Salthawks are still unbeaten. Uh, I think maybe the biggest hurdle remaining to to get to twenty and zero uh, will be this this rematch again with May South on Tuesday as they try to to beat the Mavericks for the third straight time uh, this year. So that's a that's another one 
uh, to watch on the boys' side. And then, and then kind of as you go down the lower classes, uh, next Tuesday, Haven, which is still unbeaten at 16-0, and another unbeaten team in Reno County along with Hutchinson that's, that's unbeaten. Uh, they travel to Heston, and that's that Heston's 15-1 and and hasn't lost since the season opener to southeast of Saline. And that game will probably likely decide the, the Central Kansas League title, and it's also going to decide uh, a number one seed in, in the sub-state tournament uh, uh, that's going to be played at Lions. So you've got that night, it's like the scheduler, the, the schedule maker got together and said, all right, Wichita area, here's your night. And those are good that I wish I could clone myself and, and get to each one of them. And, uh, I'm not sure where I'm going to end up, but but certainly one of those, and and just uh, uh, you know, like you said, good good girls tournaments that that went that that were that were completed, and and maybe this is the lull heading into Substate, but but boy, tell any of these teams that are they're playing for league titles and, and number one Substate uh, seeds, you know, try to convince them of that right now, I guess. So it sounds like a florist will be uh, pretty busy in the Wichita area for Scott Pask as he uh, heads out on Valentine's night and uh, <laughs> and goes to basketball instead yeah, of sorry, uh, sorry to my wife. <laughs> you know. uh, Ricky, you had the uh, apologies to my wife right now. <laughs> Ricky, you got to see a couple tournaments. Uh, you got to go see the finals of the SPIAA and the. And then the the next week, uh, last weekend, was the Western Kansas Liberty. So, you, you know, they're the only ones that kind of play their league tournament a week later than all, everybody else. Uh, and you got to see some uh, some championships out there. Yeah, yeah, I was excited to see uh, Golden Plains. Uh, you know, obviously Golden Plains hasn't really been challenged in their league this year, uh, but a uh, really fun team to watch. Uh, you know, they had, a really, they had to replace a really, really good player in Cassie Miller and uh, – you know, they've really had some girls step up. Uh, Brianna Rath, just a tremendous defender. I mean, I, uh, her coach says she's one of the, the best defenders in this area in any class, and I, I kind of agree with them because she's just a tremendous defender. And, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're a team that uh, is kind of kind of might be a dark horse. Uh, you know, with Central Plains moving up to 1AD1 this year, I think, you know, that kind of leaves maybe a little bit of an opening in 182. Obviously, Hanover's, uh, you know, have had they have championship pedigree, uh, but uh, you know, Golden Plains might be a team to watch. Another team to watch in that class, who I was really impressed with at the SPIA tournament, was uh, Buckland. Uh, they play, you know, a really fast style. Uh, they're kind of similar to Golden Plains. They're really pressure and, and get up and get up and guard. Uh, you know, they. Uh, they have a little bit of see, they have a good mix. Um, you know, they have a great senior in Haley Fiker. Uh, uh, their leading scorer is junior Sydney Jones, and she's just a really versatile player. And then they have a tremendous, tremendous freshman class uh, led by their point guard Emerson Kirk. So um, you know, I really enjoyed watching them them play and uh, seeing them win the the, the spy tournament. Uh, you know, kind of just looking at some of the other uh, classes in my. Uh, the other classes, uh, you know, I'm really, I'm really glad that Phillipsburg and Goodland are not in the same substrate this tournament uh, this year and this year they were last year um, and uh, Goodland Goodland took a, a hard fought game over over Phillipsburg and went on to win the 3A state championship this year I, I'm hoping that we might see them in the 3A state tournament because I think that'd be um, you know, a really fun matchup. Um, and then just, you know, touching on boys basketball in my area real quickly. Uh, yeah, I went out to uh, Claflin last night to see Ellenwood 
boys play. And uh, Britton Dutton, um, you know, by the time the regular season's over, I think he'll go uh, over 2,000 points in his career. Um, and on and the girls' side, Terrence Sides is also approaching 2,000 points. So really, really cool milestone. But, uh, you know, Ellenwood, it just kind of feels like this might be their year. They've had good teams in the past and just haven't got it done in sub-state. And, uh, you know, talking with Coach Derek Joyner, he feels like if they if they play their best in the sub-state that they'll be in the state tournament. So, uh, yeah, you know, it would be kind of exciting to see if this is their, their breakthrough year. But, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll go. Mac, what what have you kind of seen in your area in basketball? Well, you know, one big one is uh, for girls. Uh, you know, already talked about it on the last podcast, but uh, it continues to uh, need to be talked about because Shawnee Mitchell South, uh, keeps winning games, still undefeated, and uh, at, at this point, not only did they get the win in the uh, Thunderbird Classic uh, out of Shawnee Heights, they uh, followed up with a really big win this week uh, over Lawrence High. Uh, they went to Lawrence High and got a victory of two teams that were both still undefeated in Sunflower League play. And now with just a few games left, Shawnee Mission South is in the driver's seat. And that one was a, a, a game where uh, even through the first half, 29 all, uh, then Shawnee Mission South comes out of the break and goes on a 17-point uh, run, I think. Let me, yeah. 46-29 before Lawrence I can score. So you're like, all right, that game's over. Nope, Lawrence storms back uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, particularly because Cameron Smith and Jocelyn Moore end up fouling out with like four minutes left. And the final four minutes was the longest thing I've ever seen as Lawrence gets themselves back in and get within one possession and end up uh, Shawnee Mission South able to close out as uh uh, Funchess uh, is the one uh, star left in the game for South, and she can knock down free throws late to 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 get them uh, over the hump there, and then they get uh, a little help uh, from some other role players, and just to, just to hold on to that one. But that's a team that is playing so well right now, uh, and you know I wrote a story after the Thunberg Classic talking about did they feel like they were the team to beat. And got some interesting answers from their three players after the Lawrence win. Uh, I talked with Cameron Smith, uh, Funches, and uh, I talked with uh, Ashley Van Elders, their uh, stretch five shot blocking uh, center that uh, is uh, really good. So they, they, they let me know whether maybe now uh, as uh, the other teams keep taking on some losses and, and Shawnee Mission South keeps that undefeated record. Do they feel like they're the team to beat in 6A? How does it feel to have made it this far in the season with really tough schedule and still be able to, to be at this point without a single loss to your guys' resume? Um, I feel like we've worked really hard. Um, we deserve it, and we did everything that we possibly could to like achieve. This is like one of our goals. And this is Zai Funch's answer. Just putting in that work and uh, getting it, getting the job done. And here's Ashley Van Elder. Yeah, I mean it feels great, but 
we still have a lot more to do. We definitely don't have the mindset of relaxing or pulling off any. We're still, if anything, using this as motivation to push harder. We've worked to get this far. So we're just wanting to push to the best of our abilities and finish strong 25-0. and 0. With talking with your coach after you guys won the Thir- uh, Thunderbird Classic, uh, he had mentioned how you guys still kind of view yourselves uh, still trying to chase Blue Valley North after they beat you last year. Does it still, even at this point where they've picked up a couple more losses and you guys are still you know, at this 14-0, does it feel like now you guys are just the team to beat and it's not really kind of an argument anymore? Yeah, I definitely would like that one before we officially have that like team to beat because this is Cameron Smith. Like coming off of our past years, we still have a lot to prove for ourselves and just we got to make our name for ourselves just from not just this year but years to follow. No, I mean we're still we're still having a mindset of one game at a time. Blue Valley North is an amazing team. We still have so much respect for them. Um, We're just one game at a time, focusing on the next game, not worrying about anything else but that. I I definitely feel like we are starting to to get that title um, just with, you know, being undefeated and then the top team that Blue Line North uh, having two losses now. I feel like it's definitely uh, put a target on our backs and, you know, I feel like we were kind of the under underdogs. Like, many people doubted us, didn't think that we'd be in the place that we're in now. And uh, that is, like, gives ammunition to people to want to beat us. So I feel like, uh, yeah, it's definitely starting starting to come, that, that title. With the way this team played last year, obviously, uh, you guys were a good team get knocked out by another good team, Blue Valley North. You mm-hmm. guys, I think you guys were both better than what your records were heading into mm-hmm. the postseason. Um, this year, with uh, the addition of Funches out there being just a, a, another uh, just dynamic scorer that kind of complements uh, Cameron in a in a really great way, Does uh, at what point during the offseason at this season, you know, during this season, did you guys feel like that addition was really going to put you in a position to kind of go over the top and, and be one of those elite teams in 6A? Yeah, I mean, I think we knew before anyone else did in before season. In the summer, we went 15-1 and with Summer League, and Pitt State, we won the championship there. And so we knew what we had was special. And, but with the addition of Zai and freshman Layla, and all of us just improving and taking our game a step ahead from where we were last year. Like every single one of us, our senior leaders are just doing like amazing. We all just kind of like knew from the beginning and we were just excited to show it off to everyone. Do you feel like adding Zai uh, complimented your game as well? I, anytime I pass her the ball, I just know she's going to grab it, which is a huge plus and an improvement from last year. Like. It's awesome having that, and she works hard. She takes the right shots and is patient, and she's gotten a lot better at that, and it's just good to have another person. Yeah, yeah, it's helped my game a lot. She's a great passer, a great team player, and having her there just takes off the pressure of me 
a little bit and it just we all complement each other in the best ways possible and we're a passing team first so that helps a lot how often do these two out here uh get into some one-on-one games against each other in practice (laughs) when they do who wins oh um I mean, we usually don't do one-on-one, but we'll do, like, four-on-four, and they usually do divide the two guards. Um, sometimes we'll put them together, you know. Um, it's it's a battle. Every time it's different. I mean, they just play their game, and there's different results every time, I think. Probably helps in a game like last night where uh, if, if they try to – uh, overplay you a little bit and uh, she can uh, at different times not just get the rebound but uh, start the fast break and, 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 and get you going and be able to, to score inside. Yeah, I feel like we've had that with a lot of our games. Like It conserves conserves our energy a lot just to have multiple players who can do it all and we just all feed off each other and help each other get to our spots and get open shots. Who on another team is the toughest player you've had to go up against this season? Samaya, most definitely. She's yeah. just, she just plays hard and she's a dog everywhere. It's exciting to play against her and she's just, she's one of my favorite people to play against. It's just fun to play against her and it's like playing against someone who works as hard as our team or other people that I've played against. It's just good. Um, definitely Samaya Nichols from Shawnee Mission West. Uh, tell me, just specifically, you know, what about her game makes it a, a difficult uh, player to try to slow down when you, you go up against the Vikings? Um, she is very, very versatile and also very, very strong. So you know, if she's uh, not if she's not on having a good shooting night, she will get down the post and just baby you get to work and even if she's even if she's still having a great shooting night she'll do both and switch it up and uh you know she is very great IQ she's a great player um yeah there's there's not uh, a lot that I can say I I feel like her her game shows it for itself um yeah definitely the toughest player I've been up against What's going to be the key for this team to uh, finish the regular season strong and, and, and be prepared to try to make a deep run in the postseason? I think taking it one game at a time and just believing in doing what we've been doing this entire time. We just have to keep playing together. and we, I feel like we don't beat ourselves as much anymore at all because we just stayed composed in situations like last night when we – we had a bunch of turnovers, but we stayed composed and were able to pull out that game. And if we keep moving the ball and up the floor like we do in running. Um, honestly, just work hard. We still have so much more um, to accomplish, uh, so much more to get better at. I feel like we just need to continue to work hard, harder than we ever have because this last stretch of the season is what's most important um, to get where we want to be. And I feel like just doing that and trusting in our coach um our, our, all of our coaching staff uh and just being a team not letting uh, all the noise and stuff get to our heads just to be us and continue to do what we came here to do
right, that was the Shawnee Mission South girls uh, having a great season. Uh, Mark Western, the head coach of the Shawnee Mission South Raiders, uh, did really good things at uh, Schlegel before moving over to Shawnee Mission South and uh, has, has South rolling. 6A on the east side is going to be a war. You got just not just some great teams, some great players on the on the east side of the state. Uh, you know, Blue Valley North girls, I still think, is a team that when it's all said and done is going to be an awfully tough out for anybody at state. Uh, Blue Valley, Jaden Wooten is as good as a player as there is in the state. So Maya Nichols from Shawnee Mission West is good. Lawrence having a great uh, rebound season under Jeff Dixon there. Um, and, you know, Shawnee Mission Northwest not having the season that they've had in the past, but, uh, you know, they're always a team that's going to be tough out. Shawnee Mission East, Abigail Long, a dynamic scorer. So, you know, the east side of the state in, in Class 6A is is really loaded with some really good schools, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how things shake out there. And so um, we will wrap up this episode of the podcast uh, Come to you in a couple weeks. We'll be uh, right in the heart of really the postseason getting really getting underway with state wrestling will be on tap um, when we get ready to do our next podcast. State swimming will be completed. Uh, bowling, which we didn't have a chance to touch on, and, and we should have really. There was some uh, great action in the past, past couple weeks. Uh, I had two bowlers from my area who rolled 300 games on back-to-back days. It was uh, Logan Lindsley of Junction City and then Geo Peoples of Washburn Rural. The, they're both in the same league, and and uh, Lindsley goes out and does it one day, and then Peoples comes back and does it the next day. Both those teams, Washburn Rural and Junction City, have a chance at really uh, being contenders for the Class 6A state title. So we'll get into some more bowling uh, next week because their postseason will be on us, on us before we know it. They they start up right in between wrestling and basketball championships. And so um, a lot to, lot to cover in our next podcast, but uh, we'll be here to give it all to you. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, for Mac Moore, Scott Pask, Ricky Peterson, this is Brent Maycock saying uh, tune in to our Kasia Covered podcast and check out all the great stories we have on our Kasia Covered website.